0: Bless the Lord. Amen. He's good. He's great. He's awesome. He's powerful. He's good. Amen. Well, let's open in prayer. Father. Lord, we need you. We need your your Holy Spirit to bring life to dry bones, to bring life to dead things that were once alive, to set us free. I pray for hearts in this room today that, Lord, as we worship, may hearts be softened. May ears be open and may spirits receive the word of the Lord today. Father, thank you. Move by your spirit and do all according to your good pleasure. Grant me the grace to deliver the message according to the Holy Spirit and according to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today I want to give you a word that's not easy to hear. How many in the, in this room without a show of hands would confess I've lost my passion for the Lord and his presence I used to be in love with Jesus wherever Jesus was I was when the doors of the church was open I was there when there was worship I was all in on it now I'm out in the hallway Jesus is no longer a companion. He's an acquaintance. I go to him when I need him or when I'm hurting or I'm afraid. I've lost my passion for the Lord and his presence. I've already said during the time of worship, I'm already counting the songs. I'm already on to the next thing and I'm not dwelling or pressing in to the presence of the Lord. I've lost my passion for his presence. I don't pray with zeal or compassion like I used to. I intercede as if I'm praying over a meal. I don't do spiritual warfare. I don't bind principalities and powers. I don't pray with the zeal or compassion that I once had. I'm not drawn to the Word like I used to be. I pick up my phone more than I pick up the Bible. I look at the phone more than I look at the Bible. I search through my phone more than I search through the word. I'm entertained by my phone and I'm not awed by a word. I'm not drawn to the word like I used to be. I used to ask the Lord for guidance or permission before making a decision. Now I go by my gut. I used to ask the Lord, Is it, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I go here? Should I go there? And I would wait for an answer. Now I just do it. I don't consult the Lord. I don't wait on the Lord. I don't reverence his decisions in my life. Now I just do it. I don't ask for permission. I just go. I don't ask for permission, I just do. I don't ask for permission, I just decide. And I let the chips fall where they may. I used to ask for guidance or permission, but now I do it all on my own. I used to say, I used to have the joy of the Lord. Now I'm barely existing. I used to be overcome with joy. Now I'm overcome with trouble, anxiety, doubt. I used to have the joy of the Lord. Now I'm just existing. What happened to me, you might ask yourself? The answer is, you've been taken captive. If you're walking in unforgiveness and bitterness, you've been taken captive. If you are easily angered, you've been taken captive. If you're triggered by little petty annoyances, you've been taken captive. If you are anxious, discouraged, or depressed, you've been taken captive. If you find comfort or escape through compulsive addictive substances or gadgets, you've been taken captive. Jesus says in John ten ten, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. It's good to clap, but are you living an abundant life? Are you living the abundant life that Christ says you can have? Or are you living in defeat? The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Okay? And somewhere along the line, you had a zeal for the Lord. You had a passion for the Lord. You loved Jesus, and all of a sudden, Somewhere in your walk, you compromised. Somewhere in your walk, you said, "Mm, this is about as far as I'll go. Somewhere in your walk, you started to criticize those who ministered the word. Somewhere in your walk, you opened yourself up and you have been taken captive. So when I ask these questions about passion and his presence zeal in in prayer drawn to the word asking the Lord for permission making him Lord instead of making him an acquaintance or an occasional buddy we've been taken captive and that's where we're at as a church. You see, here's America would not be in the position that America was in if the, if the church was a strong church. If God's people were strong, if God's people were strong, if the church was strong, then the things that are happening in schools not, and, and, and the things that are happening in the streets, things that are happening sexually in this nation, all the perversion would not have come through if we had a strong church. But because the church is weak and God's people are weak and people have been captured, the enemy can run in and overtake, overtake a society, overtake a generation, and overtake our children. See, Christianity is a serious thing. We treat it like, oh, you know, I'm a Christian. But then we do all non-Christian things and then people look at us like, what kind of Christian are you? Where's the power? Where's the glory? Where's the majesty? Where's the reverence? Where's the obedience? Where's the conviction? Where's the lifestyle? And because we've compromised and because we've surrendered the gifts that God gave us, the enemy has taken them and we're captured. It's like we're in a prison cell, right? Check this out. The gates open and all the weapons of our warfare around us and we don't even know how to fight. We're more comfortable in the prison cell than we are doing, thi- doing kingdom things. We've become complacent. And we've, been, and we've been captured. Well, now that I've depressed you, I want to let you know this. I, look, it's a heavy word, but um, trust me, we're going to get through this, me and you. Trust me, I had to walk with this word for days. All right? And if I'm still here, you're going to be here. But understand. Look, if we don't if we don't if we don't get real with what's going on in our lives and we live this fake Christianity, if I'm if I have addictions, if I have if I have if I have issues in my life and I continue to leave these addictions and issues in my life I thought Jesus sets captives free. I thought his grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in we. I thought Jesus Heals. I thought Jesus delivers. Yeah, amen, he does. Amen, he does. But it's like Jesus said to the man at the well, are you willing to be made well? Are you willing? That's the thing. If you're comfortable in your complacency, then you stay stuck and captive. Now, Paul and Jesus knew the battle believers would face. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 11.3, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church and he has a concern for the, for the believers Because he knows what they're up against. They're up against the devil that has studied you from the moment of your birth. He watched you. He watched what you put your hands to when you were weak. He watched the way you were were, um, abused by your family, let's say. He watched what has happened to you in your life. He knows where you are weak. And he knows your vulnerabilities. And he tried to keep you from Jesus, but because he could not keep you from Jesus, now what he wants to do is defeat you in Jesus and make a mockery of you. And the thing is, is you can either let him or you can stand against him. Now, here's the thing. This is what Paul is saying here. Listen, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the the cunning or craftiness of the serpent, your minds will be led astray From purity and from simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. What's Paul saying? Paul saying, really? Um, It's simple. To walk with the Lord. By the spirit. Not by the flesh. Christianity is hard to walk in the flesh. Incredibly hard. It is incredibly hard to serve Jesus in your flesh. And so Paul is saying, look, I know what's coming against you. And I know that the enemy is looking to capture you. But he says here, I'm afraid that you're going to be led astray. Just as Eve was led astray. And you're going to forfeit the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Jesus says this to Peter, Simon, Simon. Satan. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. And when you return, strengthen your brothers. Now, a lot of times when I'm putting together the word, I have three different Bibles out because I'm looking at different translation. Sometimes I like the way it says it in one translation better than it says it in the other. Sometimes I get it more when I look at different translations. I'm like, oh, okay, so that's how it's being said. But that's what they're trying to, to bring across. So in, in here, in, when Jesus is talking to Peter, in the New Living Translation, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Now what's going on here? I want to take a quick look here. Listen to what it says here. It says, Satan is asked to sift each of you like we. Do you know that Satan asks the same thing of each and every one of us? He goes before the father and says, I want to sift this one. I want to break this one. I want to grind this one down. Think about this. Now, what did Jesus say? He said, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you as with wheat, but I have prayed for you. Now hold on a second. He didn't say I didn't give the devil permission. What did he say? I've prayed for you. I'm going to let the devil mess with you. Because I need to I want you to see, and I want to see what's in you, because all the devil is is a tool. He's a tool that brings us closer to the Lord. If we allow him, if I'm willing to fight against all principalities, if I'm willing to fight against all the things in my flesh, my failures, the things that afflict me, uh, the things that I'm drawn to that are not of God. If I'm willing to come to, oh, because the devil knows they're there and he throws them at you every day. Why? Because he's sifting you. What's sifting? Separating you. Separate the wheat from the tares. So he wants This is sifting, he wants to sift, he wants to sift, he wants to separate, he wants to separate. He wants to get in your way of God. He wants to hinder your walk with God. He wants you to live a defeated life, not a victorious life. He wants to fill you with condemnation, guilt, and shame. So that you'll surrender and give up and live a defeated Christian life. God, I'm sorry, Jesus and Paul knew what the believers would face. And so as we find ourselves, if some of us are honest with ourselves, we'll say, yeah, you know, I've really, I put my hand to something I shouldn't have put my hand to, and now I can't. I'm addicted. Or I'm drawn more to something that's not right than I am drawn to something that is right. I feed my flesh more than I feed my spirit. I live in bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. I have resentment against people. And so we're living in captivity. And God wants to set the captive free. But the thing that sets the captive free is the captive has to realize that, hey, I'm captive. And then you got to be uncomfortable being captive. Look, you can be captive and be like, well, it's not too bad. You know, this baloney slam is just great. The water's not too brown. I like living, it's not bad. Have we got a place to sleep? If you're comfortable in your captivity, then you're playing Christianity. And you're not being what it is to be a Christian. See, because a Christian is victorious. Even when a Christian fails, he's still victorious because greater is him that's in you than he that's in the world. And it says that the Lord is even at your right side that he will not let you fall. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. Listen to Psalm 34, verse 6. I want to show you a way out of captivity. If if you're willing to say, you know, um, I'm bound. If you're willing to be honest with yourself, there's a way out. Psalm 34, verse 6 says, This poor man called, or this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I want to read that to you again because I want it to sink into your spirit. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. See, if you're uncomfortable with the lifestyle you're living, that's a good thing. If you're uncomfortable with the lifestyle that you're living, that's against Christ, that's a good thing. If you're accepting or acceptable of the way you're living and you're sitting here today, there's something that needs to change in your life. And so there's a way out of captivity. And the first way out of captivity is you've got to recognize your condition. The Bible says here, it says that this poor man called see you could either be poor or you could be proud you could either you when you're poor when you realize that everything in me is insufficient that i don't measure up to the word or to the or to Christ there's things in me that don't align with the word of god When I, when I come to, when I come to the Lord and I'm poor and I say, Lord, help me. That's when I'm poor in spirit. Jesus, I need you more than I've ever needed you before. Help me. Jesus, restore to me the things that I have surrendered. Jesus, help me. That's a poor, that's poor in spirit. God did not save you for you to be okay. Okay is an avoidance mechanism. It's actually a form of pride. How you doing? I'm okay. How's everything at home? Everything's okay. How's work? It's okay. How's your prayer life? It's okay. How's your marriage? It's okay. How's your kids? They're okay. How's your dog? Dog's great. (laughs) When somebody comes up to you and asks you how you're doing, and your defense mechanism is to say, I'm okay, you're living in denial. You're you're deflecting. You're putting up a wall. Now, I understand you can't walk around and blabber to everyone in your life what's going on in your life. I get it. That's, That's really unwise. I get it. But if someone that you trust and that you've built a a relationship with comes up to you and says, how are you doing? And your reflective response is, I'm okay. When you're not okay, that's not okay. Okay? Okay. (laughs) No, think about it. The night before, you were crying out to the Lord that you were in trouble, that you were in desperation, that you needed him, that you're caught up in sin. Come on that I have habitual sin in my life, that I've been sinning against you, that I'm living a life that's not right. I'm I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit like I used to be. I'm not in love with you like I used to be. I'm not pursuing you like I used to be. Lord, I need your help. And then God sends help and you say, and somebody says to you, how you doing? You say, I'm okay. And God's like, that's not what you said last night. You called, you cried out you weren't okay. And I'm sending someone and now you're okay. That's not okay. Okay. But here's the thing. See, the Bible says this poor man called. So you called out and God sends someone and the guy's like, hi, I'm Stanley Stinkledork. How are you? I'm here to talk to you. Like, I'm not talking to you. So the next guy, guys, God sends Simon Stinkeldink. I don't know but he sent someone that you don't want to talk to but that's the person with the word of the lord that's the person god sent to minister to you but it doesn't meet up to your standards let me tell you something you're not poor enough you ask for help god sends help and then you reject the help that he sends because it doesn't meet your standards that's not the person i was looking that's not the answer i was looking for that's not you know wh- wh- what's this person doing in my life You're not poor enough. See, when you're poor enough, Stanley Snorkeldink will become your best friend. Steinman Stinkledork, you'll be calling him every time you're in trouble. Hi, Mr. Stinkledork? Yeah. Can we set up a meeting? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm using weird names. But do you understand what I'm saying? If God puts a person in your life and you connect with that person, now that, and you're, you're opening yourself up and saying, I'm not okay, and you're allowing yourself not to be okay, because the night before you prayed that you weren't okay, and now the per- God says, okay, so he sent someone to talk to you to see if you're okay, and you tell them you're not okay. That's okay. But if you judge the person that God sends to you, you're not poor enough. Stay in your captivity. Stay in your addiction. Stay in your sin. See, because the person that's willing to admit, I'm poor. I'm needy. Nobody likes needy people, I get it. But God does. I'm poor. Lord, if you don't do something in my life, then I'm going to live in the condition I'm in right now. And I'm going to face you in heaven with this condition. That's not okay. That's not okay. And so being poor is okay. Because what did Jesus say about being poor? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's in heaven? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, myriad of angels, all power, all authority, all, all Sovereignty, all mercy, all grace, all love, pure, pure, pure. So we have to recognize the condition. God didn't save you to be okay. Being poor in spirit is a confession that I am in need of God. I am in need that I am in need of God to do something in me that I cannot do for myself. That's being poor in spirit. Unless God, you build a house, I'm laboring in vain to build it. Unless you deliver me, I'm done. Unless you heal me, I'm broken. Unless you raise me up from the ashes, I will live in the ashes. I cannot do it myself. So being poor in spirit puts you in a place of heavenly accessibility. The way out of captivity is not being okay with being okay. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. The way out of captivity is not being okay with being okay. Second thing is you got to raise your voice. And there are two ways to raise your voice. In frustration, which is aimed at those around us, where I vent, not upward, But outward. Or I curse the guy who stops in the middle of the traffic travel circle (laughs) because how stupid can you be? That's frustration. That's frustration. Or when the little annoyances of being married, instead of extending grace, we nitpick. Why? Because I'm frustrated with my life and I'm taking it out on somebody else. I'm not satisfied where I'm at in the Lord, so I'm taking it out. I'm not satisfied with life. I'm frustrated. I can't seem to do things right. But I'm not telling anybody, what am I doing? I'm venting. I'm venting, but I'm not really venting. I'm coming at somebody because I'm I'm hiding. Okay, so there are two ways to raise your voice. One is in frustration, the other is in desperation. See, frustration goes out towards people that are closest to me or uh, people that just, you know, whatever, set you off, trip your trigger. But desperation is, I'm in need of something that I cannot lay hold of in the natural. That's desperation. See, desperation is is. I've made a mess of things. I've surrendered things. I've given up things. And where I'm at in you, Lord, is not where I really should be. And I am captive to things of the flesh and things of the world and things of the devil. If I'm going to be honest with myself, if I'm going to be honest, right? Because what does it say? You will know the truth and what will happen. Guess what the truth does first? The truth is like a cold codfish at Adam's Farrakh farm. It slaps you in the face. Wow. The truth hurts. Nobody wants to talk of the truth because the truth offends. That's why it's called the truth, because it's offensive. See, the truth hurts. But if you let the truth hurt, guess what happens after the truth hurts? It heals. We don't want to go through the pain of truth. We don't want to be honest with ourselves. We don't want to be honest before God. See, but if we're willing to be truthful and and, and transparent, and we're willing to go through the pain of being truthful, there's freedom on the other end. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, you got to raise your voice. I'm in need of something that I cannot lay hold of myself in the natural. I've, tr- I've, tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried to do right, I've tried to to let go. I've tried to clean up. I've tried to, to push things aside that I shouldn't. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed. Ah! Now I'm frustrated. Thank you. I'll pray <laughs> for you too. But what happens in our frustration? Now, Now, now our, our lifestyle is now affecting negatively those around us. Desperation means I shut myself in and I begin to cry out and really get down and dirty with what's going on in my life. And if I'm willing to do that and be honest with God, that's a, play, that's a, that's a starting point for, for the Holy Spirit to begin to set you free and to begin to set you on a path that will deliver you from the things that are holding you down. A fortune teller studied the hand of a young man and said, you will be poor and unhappy until you are 37 years old. The young man responded, well, after that, what will happen? Will I be rich and happy? The fortune teller said, no, you will be poor, but you'll be used to it after that. Some of us have lived the lifestyle for so long, we're used to it. We're used to being captive. We're used to being defeated. We're used to living a life that we know is not right. Living a life that we know is not right, but we're used to it. And because we're used to it, we're not living life. We're not calling out in desperation. See, you could, you could it's your choice, even today, it's your choice to receive the word and to let it work in you to bring about permanent change or you can just say that was a nice sermon and go about your day. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. I got to deal with me. You got to deal with you, right? I'm my own worst enemy. I don't know about you. Maybe you're friends with yourself. I'm not. There are times even I don't like me and that's even on payday. But this is the truth. Sometimes we look at our lives and we're like, I don't like this in my life. And I want it out. The journey to begin to come out of captivity is by raising your voice. Your cry is the first engagement of activity. Next thing. Know that he hears you. This poor man cried. Right? So this poor man, what's the first thing? I recognize my condition. I cried. I raised my voice. And the Lord heard me. He know that he hears you. You're not praying to the, to the ceiling. You're not praying. You're not just raising your voice and it's just going up and bouncing all around the room. You're praying and calling out to a righteous, loving, holy father. Here's the thing. If God didn't hear you, how did you get here? Somewhere in your life, you had to call out to God. I remember going behind two garbage cans and praying to God, get me out of this. And God said, go home. Now, it's two in the morning. Do you understand what I'm saying? Somewhere along your life, you cried out to God and God heard you and he answered you. And he sent somebody to tell you about Jesus and you're like, no, thank you. Then he sent somebody again, you said, no, thank you. Then he sent somebody again, you said, no, Tell that to me again. Say that again. And somewhere along the line, you accepted Jesus and the rest is history, right? But there's more history to be made. Amen? We don't stop because of course I got saved. All right? We have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We have to become a sanctified people, a holy people, a righteous people, a people filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be able to walk, cast out demons, What does it say? What does it say? What does it say? These signs will follow those who believe. They will speak in other tongues. They will cast out demons and they will raise the dead. Jesus said that's the lifestyle that a Christian should be living. The cemetery shouldn't be as full as it is if the church was walking in the authority and the, and the power that, it, that it, it should. But I want to let you know, so here we are, here we are. Know that he hears you. You're not alone in what has you bound. Your cries do not fall on deaf ears. Look, I can, I can share my problems with other people and all you get sometimes is just this real blank stare. Because you want to know the truth? Nobody cares. Everybody's going through something on their own. Big deal. Pick up your big boy pants and go to work. Nobody cares, and that's okay, because that's reality. I got enough problems on my own. I can't fix me. Now, I'll listen to you. Sometimes. No, I'll listen to you, and I'll empathize with you, but there's nothing I can do for you. I got enough problems on my own. Now, unless I'm anointed at that point, at that moment, and it happens that God, you know, the Holy Spirit quickens you and you begin to minister. That happens. And you got to be open to that. But in reality, if, if all I do is complain, 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 guess what? Man, that gets boring. It's cold. Nobody wants to hear it. You know, it's the same story. It's just a different day with different flies on it. To know that he hears you. You're not alone in what has you bound. The Bible says that never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So if you're in a place of captivity, guess who's with you? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, they're with you. I'm going through this alone. No, you're not. You haven't raised your voice. You haven't cried out to him. You're waddling in the muck and the mire. Know that he hears you. Listen to this in, in Psalm 86, verses 1 through 7. Hear me, Lord, and answer me. Listen to this. For I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord. For I call, for I. Call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you, Lord. Lord, you are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call on you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I will call to you because you answer me. You have a God in heaven. You have a father in heaven that cares about you so much that he silences the heaven just to hear what you have to say. Shh, tell the angels, the beings. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you hear that? What, Father, what? I hear a cry from one of my children. I hear them. All right. Let's call a meeting. Let's get this thing moving. You understand what I'm saying? He hears you. You don't have, you know, you you have to have the faith or you have to pray until something in your spirit releases and you know, he heard me. He heard me. Okay? He hears the call of those who are captive. Hear me again. He hears the call of those who are captive. You think God's ashamed of you or God's displeased with you or God's disappointed with you. That's the language of the captivity. That's the devil speaking and keeping you captive. Those are lies. He hears the call of the captive. If not, how did he set Israel free? Okay, they called out for 400 years. I get it. But one day, one day. At the right time, he sent the burning bush. He sent a man named Moses. A stu- a, He's a, a stutterer. A stu- let, 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 let my pe- people go. Hallelujah. Like, imagine that's the guy coming to, to, recon- to represent God before Pharaoh. God does things that confound the wisdom of man. He used men who stumbled in his words to lead a people out of bondage. Joseph in prison. Joseph's in prison, falsely accused, but he's in prison. Okay, everybody that's in prison is falsely accused. I didn't do it. But anyway, he was with him and he blessed him. And he used prison, check this out, he used his captivity to make him into the man that God needed him to be, to set him above everyone else and to become a prince in the place and to preserve life on the earth through one man. God used a falsely accused prisoner. So God answers prayers. You have to know that he hears you. Think about it. Joseph is in prison. He's in prison for 13 years. He's not satisfied with his captivity, but there's nothing he can do about it until God answers. Sometimes you've got to let God do things his way. You think God is is being slow on you. No, what he's doing is perfecting you you and working on your character. Because if he sets you free too soon, you're going to go back to it. You have to get to the place where you loathe that thing so much that when he sets you free, you're like, never again means never again. You understand what I'm saying? That even when the devil tempts you, you begin to laugh. You're like, yeah, no, you had me with that, but I'm done with it. Okay? Let's bring this thing in for a landing. He hears the call of those who are captive. God has a plan. Every demon that comes against you, every situation that overwhelms you, every sin that hinders you, every stronghold that binds you, God has already planned your escape. Allow him to do it his way. I want to say that again. Allow him to do it his way. His timing is his wisdom. If he left if he left the people of Israel Bound for 400 years, if he left Joseph in prison for 13, if he allowed David to be chased by Saul and he didn't rescue him, what is he doing? Let him perfect your character. It was because of your character that you got into the place that you're in now, and he has to use that situation to perfect your character. Trust his timing. Trust his timing. Allow him to do it his way. His timing is is his wisdom. Rest in his power and trust in him always. Let's bow our heads. Father, your people here, there's some hurting badly. Some that have put their hand to something that at first they thought was innocent, but now it's, it's captured them or there's things in their life that was in their life from from childhood that is afflicting them even to this day. There are habits and there are habitual sins. There's so much, Lord God, that we try to hide and cover. But Lord, before you, we're exposed. And so I ask you, Lord, to let this word fall on good ground. And let's be real with ourselves before you. And let's see you deliver us and raise us up and fill us up with the holy spirit like we've never been filled before and let us let us now where we were captured now let us go into the enemy's camp where he's captured others and set them free we ask this in jesus name